Welcome back to the CDI podcast. I'm Shelby Fiegel, the director of the Center for Community and Economic Development at the University of Central Arkansas. I am so excited today to be joined by our CCD graduate assistant, Will Gloucester, and our special guest, Dave Roberts, director of planning and the vice president of business development at Crafton Tull. Well, Dave, uh, I think we're going to let you kick us off by learning a little bit more about you. So can you share with us your background, your education, and any hobbies that you have? Okay, sure, yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it's a little awkward talking about yourself. Um, so we'll um, kind of work through this. Um, but I, I've been at Craft & Toll now for about 12 years. Uh, my degree is in landscape architecture. I work as an urban planner, mostly. Um, and so um, I had my own firm for about 11 years. We did everything from a small backyard to large scale countywide bicycle and pedestrian plans. So that's why Craft & Toll wanted to buy my firm. Um, Craft & Toll is an engineering firm, about 10 offices, both in Arkansas and Oklahoma. So um, I, I grew up in a very different setting than where I live now. Um, I, I grew up in suburbia, Miami, uh, Miami, Florida, um, and I rode my bike everywhere. And I think that's where my love of cycling came from. We had to ride our bike to elementary school and it was through all the gridded streets and it wasn't downtown Miami. It was, you know, the suburbs. And so it was um, not a lot of trails, not, not what they have now. Um, but I was a transplant, came up to University of Arkansas and got my degree in Fayetteville at the School of Architecture and uh, a bit of a culture shock. Um, it was good for me though, to kind of get away, be 1800 miles away from home, um, learn how to, meet and greet and, 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 and grow up. Um, and I didn't ride my bike or do, I did a lot of walking on campus like most people do in college. Um, but I really found the love of cycling later in life, maybe about six years ago. Um, I tried to run a little bit and realized that my body doesn't like the impact of running and jogging. Um, my idea was to do a 5K and I actually did it. And that was the last one I'll ever do. Um, it was not that much fun. Uh, but I have a daughter who's now 19 years old. She just got done with high school. I don't say graduated because that hasn't really officially happened with COVID-19. But um, we actually did a promuation in the front yard on our circular drive um, two weeks ago where she got to wear her prom dress and then put her cap and gown on for folks in their cars or family and friends that were socially distanced. So. It was, it was a pretty cool deal. Um, but she um, has cerebral palsy. She's in a power wheelchair. She was born with CP, uh, which if you don't know is a, a muscular issue. Um, she has no trunk tone, so she's sort of strapped into her chair so that she can use one hand to drive, but she can't walk, um, can't really sit up on her own. Um, but like a lot of people with CP, very intelligent. Um, and so mainstream through school, all school, all the way, and she's getting ready to go to college. Um, first Klasky Tech and then UA Little Rock. So the reason I bring all that up is that it works directly into what I do as an urban planner when I'm looking at doing walk audits, um, when, I'm, when I'm looking at um, working with my team. Um, Julie Luther in our Little Rock office does most of our bicycle and pedestrian master plans. You'll hear her name again here in a little while with CDI. Um, so it definitely affords me that kind of unique insight on accessibility and inclusion. Uh, because everywhere I go, whether it's Disney World or Chicago, New York City, wherever I travel, if I go to conferences, go to visit family back in Florida, 
I'm always looking to see how would Alex navigate this? Could she get from here to there in her power chair or are there barriers? And when we get into walk audits, I really see those barriers and I try to point those out. Dave, thanks for sharing that information about you, your family, uh, and your background. A big way that you're involved with our team at UCA is through partner partnering with us to host walk audits. We did walk audits in DeQueen and BB last year and are completing walk audits in Stuttgart and Lone Oak this year. Can you share some information with our listeners about what walk audits are and why they're important to our communities? Yes, Will, good question. Um, so walk audits are basically, in a nutshell, they're an assessment of walkability and bikeability for pedestrian access in an area, usually in the communities downtown. So it's kind of like boots on the ground workshop. Uh, so we try to get the community leaders, mayor, city council, city engineer, or public's work director is always important to get them out to see their built environment. And we'll point out ways they can improve it. I mean, sometimes it's just as simple as uh, painting their crosswalks so they're more visible or improving some of their curb cuts or just clean up. Maybe there's patches of sand or mud in certain places that might cause some issues for accessibility. And then sometimes it's adding things to their downtown that might cost a little more and they can go after grants to um, try to improve that through a grant funding or, or, or ways to, to um, maybe communicate with uh, RDOT if it's a state highway going through their town. Um, we saw that in BB, we had a state highway. Um, in uh, DeQueen, it was really more of a traditional downtown square. And so the mayor was really intrigued by some of the things that we pointed out. Um, so I love to try to circle back to see if these towns do these improvements that we show them. Um, Stuttgart, uh, just last week, uh, was not a state highway. And so it's really up to them as to what improvements they want to take on based on the funding. Um, tomorrow is our Lone Oak walk audit and they do have some state highways to contend with as most towns in Arkansas do. Um, I think after tomorrow, I will have done 12 of them. Um, I've not led all of them. I think I've led maybe eight of them, both in Oklahoma and in Arkansas. Um, but I, I, I love seeing the light bulb go off. Sometimes you'll have a mayor or a city leader that's grown up in that town, been there for 40, 50 years or more, and I point out a, a, a light pole or a utility box or something right in the middle of the sidewalk that would cause issues, say, for my daughter to be able to access the sidewalk. And they look at it and go, wow, that's always been there. I just never really thought about it. Um, and so it's really kind of neat to see them sort of react um, and understand why that's an issue, uh, why a drain inlet is set way too low right next to a crosswalk and why that's a safety or even a lawsuit waiting to happen um, and, and, and how they could maybe adjust that or, or, or pay attention to that. Dave, thanks so much for sharing about walk audits. Um, I know we talk about them a lot because it's a part of our work at CDI now and at CCED. Um, and I think a lot of our listeners are going to gain a lot of value from hearing you talk about these services and why they're important to our communities. Um, but something else that you're an expert in, which you've mentioned several times, is um, bicycle and pedestrian master plans. Um, and they also fall under that idea of the walk audits, improving our communities. Uh, but for those that don't know who might be listening, uh, what is a bicycle and pedestrian master plan and how can a community utilize one to create a higher quality of life um, throughout their community? 
Well, uh, we call them bike and ped. You know, we'll just shorten it to make it a little easier to roll off the tongue. So bike and ped master plans are kind of a 20-year look at establishing a network. And what we try to do is connect your downtown to your neighborhoods, to your parks and your schools. Uh, because if you can get that connectivity um, and make it more walkable and bikeable, then you're going to have people more willing to come shop in downtown, whether it's after hours or on the weekend. Um, a great example is one we did in Batesville. Um, Julie Luther Kelso, who helps me present at CDI each year, we'll get to that in a minute, but um, she's usually the project manager on these. She's a very good certified planner that very systematic. Um, we'll, we'll use Google Earth and then we'll get in the town and really analyze the width of the roads and where the roads are coming from and going to and how that those connections can occur. Um, and then that bike and ped master plan that ultimately, ultimately you'll get, or the town will get a document that will allow them to see different phases so they can do improvements and sort of build on each other in different phases to make those connectivities happen. Um, and we like to even give a breakdown of costs and show you what's easier, what's maybe long-term. So kind of initial and then midterm and long-term um, so that you can fully utilize that, that network. And that's why we say it's usually a 20 year plan. There's not too many towns that have the deep enough pockets to get the plan and just do it all right away. Um, but when we were working with Tool Design Group, which is one of our national um, bike design partners um, on RDOT statewide bike and pedestrian master plan, um, we heard RDOT tell communities over and over all across the state, if you don't have a bike and ped master plan for your town, when the state highway needs to get changed in your town, and most towns have a state highway going through them, RDOT is going to do what they want to do. If you have an approved bike and ped master plan, they're going to look at first. They're going to see that if it's approved by your city council, and, and then they're going to take that into account. That doesn't mean that they're automatically going to do everything you have on there, but they're not going to ignore it um, because they know you've already gone through the process of public engagement, found out what the citizens want, and then you've documented that and then approved it, um, made it official. And so it's pretty important to have that thought through. Um, we're currently, um, Julie's working on one in Helena, West Helena, and kind of the early parts of one in Sherwood. Um, we've done Pulaski County years ago. We're kind of doing an update for Pulaski County right now. El Dorado, Camden, and as I mentioned, Batesville. And we just finished working with Tool on um, Bentonville by Compad Master Plan. So they're pretty important. Um, you know, it's, it's something that takes a little while, maybe six months, depending on the size of your town, uh, because there's um, kind of a customization to it. Um, and then we follow a process that makes sure that we produce a document that is very usable over the next many years. So you mentioned your coworker, Julie Luther Kelso, a couple of times. Um, you and Julie are both presenters at the Community Development Institute and Craft and Toll is a CDI sponsor. What session do you present at CDI and what has your experience at the Institute been like? Uh, well, you know, I, I knew this question was gonna come up, so I looked back and I was amazed that Julie and I both started helping uh, presenting back in 2010. So it has been a, a 10 year ride. I think Craft & Toll has been a corporate sponsor at least for eight years of those 10. Um, we saw the audience that we had and we saw the, the, the amount of influence and outreach that we could give and talk to our company and said, this is really something we need to get behind. Um, so we present 
to the year two class on uh, our sessions called Livable Communities. And um, I, I have to warn you, if you're going through CDI and you sit down in our class, it's a cliche I know, but it's really drinking from a fire hose because in that hour and a half, we are gonna give you as much as we can, just pack full of slides, a lot of visuals and a lot of um, information about how to make your community more livable with regards to bikeability and walkability and zoning and growth and connectivity and just, there's a lot of information packed in that time. Um, we experimented a little bit a few years back and we actually did like a, we condensed it to an hour and then tried to get out and walk a little bit. Um, we moved the sessions over to um, Hendrix and did a little walking at Hendrix Village where I did some design work years back. Um, and it, it was almost a little too much, especially in the heat of, of August. So we kind of rethought that. And I think we're now back to just an hour and a half um, or just a little under two hour session. Um, and it, it's just really been great. We, I enjoy it. Um, I, I like that our audience are focused on economic development. Uh, in some cases, they're city managers, um, city planners. And so we have an audience that really needs to hear a lot of this. A lot of them have heard some of it before, but we put it all into a package that hopefully they can take back to their communities and try to implement or start talking about, hey, we need a bike and pet plan, or we ought to do a walk audit in our town, and here's what we need to be focusing on. Um, so it's, it's been a great 10 years for us. Yeah, Dave, I think this podcast is a great kind of preview for CDI too of your session because I think you've touched on a lot of points that you and Julie cover um, in your livable community session. And I'm glad that you mentioned a lot of the communities that you all are working with at Craft and Toll, um, El Dorado, Camden, Batesville, where a few, you know, I've heard come to top of mind and all of those places have CDI graduates um, that are either at the chamber or in the mayor's office or in city council. Um, and so it just goes to show when you have those leaders who have been through a training program like CDI and really understand the importance of these concepts, um, really how that can shape a community and change a community and um, get them to really understand the importance of everything that we've been talking about this afternoon. Um, and I just want to say we're so thankful to have you as a partner and an advocate uh, for our program and our work at UCA. Um, you and Craft and Tool make positive impacts on all of our local communities across the state. Um, and we're just so glad to have you. Well, thank you. I, I, I've been um, excited when I talk to your CI um, students, because I hate to call them students, but your professionals that go through the program, because what really excites me is that it's growing around the region. Uh, each year, there's someone from Oklahoma, there's someone from Mississippi, sometimes from Tennessee. And so it just, the net just keeps getting broader and broader. Um, and so me as an urban planner, I love to be able to share knowledge or, or, or tricks, if you will, in our, in our trade, you know, share the items in that toolbox um, with folks that are then going to go back to their communities within the region. It's not really just, I think when we started, maybe it was more sort of central Arkansas and then it kind of grew from there. But really the impact that CDI has is, is very impressive. Well, like I said, thank you again so much, Dave, for taking time with your, I know your schedule is so busy. Um, and we just got through uh, doing a little short virtual meeting with you and made you hop on this podcast with us. So we've had a busy afternoon. Um, yes, I, 
I do want to say um, on upcoming episodes for the CDI podcast, we're going to be featuring CDI graduates, participants, community partners, um, just like Dave and experts from all across Arkansas and the Mid-South. Like Dave said, we take a regional approach and try to get so many diverse voices um, to be heard by our, our audience. Um, and we hope that you join us next week on the CDI podcast. <laughs>